Welcome. It is the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jessalata. has got Jeff Julik across the console with me. And uh, we are going to spend the whole hour talking Boilermaker hoops and Big Ten hoops with you here. As Purdue comes off uh, what I thought was supposed to be a double-digit win last night, but the last second somehow gets tipped in. It's an eight-point win is what it is. But Purdue rallies back down double digits. They found a way, Jeff, um, in a game that... Uh, what was that one? What was that one ref call in there? The the block on uh, Mason Gillis. He went to straight into like the I'm a little teapot. Like he wanted to call yeah. a charge, but then he wanted to call a block. But then he was doing the Macarena or something. Like that was uh, Lamont Sampson. Our, uh, uh, Lamont. Uh, yeah. Was that wait? Was that the same guy that used to host the uh, Who's Your Millionaire show, the game show? <laughs> I don't Is that think him? So. No, it's not the same Lamont. Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, he was the voice. Lamont was the voice guy, right? It was yeah, Mark Patrick exactly. was the uh, okay. All right, yeah. nice trip down memory lane. You're thinking uh, what uh, Lamont Simpson from uh, from Sanford Son? Maybe I don't know. No, that's a little bit before <laughs> okay. my time. That's just a little bit uh, uh, before my time there. But um, you know, Purdue finds a way to win that game despite that the, the first was a little bit wonky. Cam Christie looks very much. Like wow. an NBA player, my gosh, does he have a smooth stroke, and sure you feel lucky he, didn't, he uh, didn't do the same thing in the second that he did in the first. Yeah, I'm sure glad he didn't follow his brother's footsteps to Michigan State. I think that would have been the uh, missing piece that the uh, Spartans would have needed, but yeah, he boy, he has a smooth stroke, as you just said. Yeah, it was very, very nice. Um, good for him, but uh, Ethan Morton showed up in the second half to lock that down, and uh, that's what... Uh, that's what the kid from the Keystone State will do. Uh, he will uh, change the trajectory of your uh, over-under points prop real quick uh, if you're not careful there. So, uh, you know, Purdue finds a way to eke that one out. Um, it was not without its controversy, of course, Jeff, because, you know, Zach gets those couple of early fouls. Uh, they looked a little out of sorts because of the rotation, the way we're going. And uh, a friend of mine brought this up, too, is, I was a little shocked. Zach goes out, but you know who else goes out at the same time? Trey Coppin Wren is out at that point, and you didn't see a whole lot of Trey out there without Zach uh, for a lot of that game too. Which was, well, I'm not throwing any shade against Caleb or anything like that, but you would think that maybe he would slide in there and and be the guy, but really not as much. Well, you know, I tell you what, I just think you saw all the diversity that this this basketball team has last night. I mean. Ethan Morton was fantastic, and you know he didn't score, but it was all from the defensive end, and uh, did an incredible job on Christian and pretty much shut him down. And then, and you mentioned first. I mean, first had a really nice game, six points, three rebounds, uh, some valuable minutes, and had some some plays that they really needed. They just have so many pieces that that when they when they face adversity, they uh, they really are able to put things together and. Uh, as you mentioned, they went had some foul trouble, and yet the Boilermakers were able to still hang in there, and then they brought Zach back in. And, you know, Minnesota had a ton of foul trouble. They had Garcia in a lot of foul trouble as well as their big man. So, you know, um, just the kind of game that Purdue needs because, you know, you you may find yourself down 6, 8, 10 points in an NCAA tournament game, and we when you blow everybody out like the Boilermakers have, they really haven't faced that this much this year. So, you know, a team was really hot, made all their threes, and still walked out with a loss in Mackey Arena. Yeah, uh, like I tweeted this out here. I was looking for the, uh, oh, they've got the formula. Look at this. They got the, they figured out how to do it. All you got to do is, you know, hit all of your shots and then get Zach Eating foul trouble and then have Purdue not hit any of their shots. And, you know, I always love it when they tweet this. Like, oh, so you know how to win, but you then didn't win. 
Like, wait, like, it's like, oh, you know how the Super Bowl is going to end, right? Oh, did you did you bet on the Chiefs to do it because it was all it's all rigged? Oh, you didn't, did you? Jeez, that's uh, sorry to hear uh, about that. That's a whole other tangent, by the way. But still, uh, yeah, uh, uh, well, of course, if you hit all your shots, your opponent doesn't hit all your shots, and your opponent's best player isn't on the court. Yeah, that's a formula to beat. Oh, I don't know. Just about anybody, anybody in any sport, right? I mean, it's from, just, it, from it's, middle school basketball to uh, NBA. It's so ridiculous. And the Big Ten really shifting this week to uh, Jeff. Another thing that impacted the Boilermakers, uh, which didn't even happen on the court, was uh, mid part of the week, uh, your Ohio State Buckeyes decided, uh, Chris Holtman, please don't come back. Here's $14 million. And he said, cool, man, I'll see you later. Uh, that's a pretty sweet gig if you can get a $14 million to uh to, to, to not work, but uh, the Boilermakers head there on Sunday, so I mean, very, very relevant in, in that aspect, and uh, I, I'm surprised he didn't make it to the end of the season. I, I get it. I didn't think he was going to be there after the season, but at the same time, cold world, man. Well, I think the issue there was, you know, Gene Smith, their their, their great athletic director, is, is retiring, and they're bringing in a new athletic director from Texas A&M, and and I think they basically wanted him to be the bad guy to to go ahead and terminate him so that the new athletic director wouldn't start out by having to fire somebody. So I think that's happened. And now they've turned it over to uh, Jake Diebler. And, uh, you know, as long as he doesn't suit up. And, no, Coach Owens? Coach and, Owens still over there? Yeah, Coach Owens is still there. Come on. And Coach as long Owens. as he doesn't uh, suit up and hit about eight threes like he used to do, I tell you what, he was a great three-point shooter. Uh, you know, this will be a challenging uh, game for the uh, Buckeyes because this Boilermaker team rolls on with, what, their ninth straight victory. And, uh Make the trip over to Columbus to uh, yeah, and you know what we talked about this last week on our show. When you look at Purdue's schedule, they've got some really really tough home games. I mean, Minnesota was playing really well. You got Rutgers coming up. You got Michigan State coming up. In meantime, your road trips. So you know you got to go to High State. You got to go to Michigan, and then of course you got that big one at the end with Illinois. But uh, it almost as if their home game home schedule is much more difficult than their road games. Yeah, and you bring up Rutgers too with a three point win last night. I thought it would be a little bit bigger, but. Uh, the other big news was Ty Berry done for the season for uh, for Northwestern, a uh, kid who really lit it up against Purdue. Uh, Northwestern team there, where I think uh, most Purdue fans say, "Yeah, let's let's not run that back for a third time in the Big Ten tournament." <laughs> Want nothing to do with that, and he would have been a very very big piece. He scored twenty plus in all those games, right? He so, did. Yeah, he was um, uh, unconscious as, at the Boilermakers. But, put a lot of uh, effort on Boo Booey, and he really had a uh, a big part of uh, them winning the first game, and then taking the Boilermakers to overtime in the second one. But the loss there essentially takes them out of the running for the uh, for the Big Ten crown. Not that I thought that they had a great job but, or a great shot at it, but what they were trying to do is hold on to that fourth seed because that gets you that double bye uh, that you could use. But uh, at this point without Ty Berry, you actually might be better served with sitting in the five seed and, and beating up on... Iowa or or Maryland or whoever is that uh, that comes up next there to get yourself that extra win um, that might actually be a little bit more beneficial to you. But you, I want to go back to talking about the the remaining Purdue schedule that uh, you brought up there again at Ohio State on Sunday, Rutgers in Michigan next week. That uh, Michigan game on the road, and then of course we know about the final three: Michigan State, Illinois, and Wisconsin. But you know, as Purdue. You are looking at, what, a two-and-a-half game uh, lead right here. You, let's just say you win your remaining home games, uh, which is Michigan State, uh, Wisconsin, uh, and Rutgers. You you win those three, and, Jeff, it's it's done. Yeah, it's, 15 it, wins. It, it, that, that's done. it. You, you win those home yeah. games. That's really what it comes down to. And then you add in a road game at Michigan, which will be a heavy favorite for as well. 
Of course, they will have Doug back for that one. Yep. I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make at that point, but um, I do always fear these weekend games at crap teams' barns. You know, it's just, uh, they 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 get up for it, fans show up for it, and stuff too. That always makes me a little bit nervous, but. Still, you have a little bit of margin of error there with them. I, I think by the time we get out of that Illinois game, it's uh, it, it's decided already. The Wisconsin game's not going to matter in terms of the Big Ten championship. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Jared. And and, and I honestly think Illinois is going to lose another game. I mean, heck, they had to Maryland this weekend, and they could lose that one. So, you know, Illinois is looking better, but they still have moments where they're not playing all that great. And uh they still have some issues with, you know, technicals and fragrant fouls and those kind of things. And, and you know. Well, to be fair, so do the officials also have an well, issue with true. flagrant fouls somehow. <laughs> that's just. Uh, so, yeah, ridiculous. I mean, I think the Boilers are in great shape uh, for the Big Ten and uh, get them in, a, you know, obviously the number one, number one seed in the Big Ten tournament, which will parlay to that number one overall seed in the, in the uh, Big Dance uh, come March. You would hope so, uh, as long as you don't have that first, you know, as long as you don't have a first game loss, which I don't think they're going to. Uh, that might be the only thing, but I mean, as long as they get into the final, I, I think they're the number one. They're the number one seed, and if they don't get in the final, then we can all talk about how it's beneficial to get a little bit of extra rest and not be burnt out before you have to play a 16 seed or whatever. We'll, yeah, and, and we'll I, I think it's stuff. so imperative that the Boilermakers play a 16 seed this year just because they need exercise. I feel so bad for that 16 oh, seed. Oh, I do too. I do too. Oh, my I gosh. Mean, you're, not, you're never going to see a more focused, determined, and ticked-off yeah. Purdue team than you are. Yeah. If you're that 16 seed, I mean, it's you've been just... hearing about it for 365 days, and, and uh, you get a chance to uh, take care of business. And I, I think it'll be a a big time Boilermaker victory in the first round. Yeah, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves there. We still have several games remaining, uh, which starts next up uh, with Sunday's trip to Ohio State. Again, a team that uh, is uh, currently head coachless. Technically, uh, they're going with the interim here. It is what it is. But Value City Arena used to be a place where. Uh, you know, Purdue didn't uh, much like up at uh, Wisconsin, right? We had the troubles there and then kind of broke through there. And ever since we've broken through that barrier, it's been somewhat kind to Purdue. Yeah, and, and they've been playing very well. And, at, you know, for, quite frankly, the crowds have been really bad at Value City. And, you know, we're actually making the trek over there uh, once I'm done with the show here today to uh, and go to the game there on Sunday. And, you know, they've been averaging about eight to 10,000 fans if they can get that. And, you know, it uh, cheap tickets. Yeah, cheap tickets. Uh, you know, there'll be a lot of Boilermaker fans there. And I, it's just going to be, they have a great backcourt. I mean, their backcourt's played really well. I but, like Thornton, man. I really do. Yeah, I mean, they've got some pieces there. You know, they've got some size, but uh, they just have not been able to put it together. And they just go on these spells where they go five, six, seven minutes where they can't score. And that happens at the end of the first half. It seems to happen end of games, and that's why they, you know, they blew that 18 point lead against Indiana a few weeks ago. And they did get the double overtime win against Maryland, which was huge. But then they followed that up with a loss at uh, Wisconsin. So, you know, they they have no answer for Zach E. Of course, nobody does, and that that really dominates the game. And then it seems like uh, you know both Lawyer and Smith play really well against the Buckeyes. So. Uh, you know, I'm sure the Boilermakers will be a double-digit favorite going in there on Sunday and uh, on CBS. They just need to take care of business and uh, come home and get ready for a a, a feisty uh, Rutgers team. All right, why don't you hang right there? We're going to come back. Alan Karp at GoldenBlack.com. He is our guest next as we continue the Boiler Basketball Show on 101.7 The Hammer and 101.7 The Hammer Station. Welcome back to the Boiler Basketball Show, 101.7 The Hammer, 101.7 The Hammer.com. I'm Jared, that's Jeff Julek over there, and on the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, 
we have our good buddy Alan Carpick. Alan uh, runs the tremendous website goldandblack.com. If you are not a subscriber, I highly encourage you to look into that because the content stuff is so amazing from the entire staff. They got good free stuff there for you, but I'll tell you what, that, uh, that a subscription, I think it's totally worth it. Uh, you need to check it out as well. Alan, it's always great talking with you here, man. Happy Friday to you. Um, Purdue coming off the win against Minnesota. Uh, had some problems there in the first half. Zach gets the foul trouble. Cam Christie is knocking down everything. And I think Purdue having a little deja vu maybe from the couple of losses, right? Because this is the kind of stuff that happened against Nebraska, the kind of stuff that happened against Northwestern. Uh, but then what do they do? They go to the locker room, they figure it out, they come back out, and uh, they rally and they get themselves the victory last night. Yeah, I think there were a lot of good things to take from it. I mean, certainly uh, I'd like to be Cam Christie's agent, uh, that's for sure. That's one <laughs> thing I do know after watching that. And getting to sit next to close to Jeff Julek for the whole game. Hey, Not for the whole game, but at least to visit with him as it well. It was my pleasure. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I do think that um, – you know, Purdue learned some things about itself, uh, which is, is important at any point. That is that uh, this team just is different because they can find ways to get back in the game, uh, in a game but they were in some trouble without question. And uh, they didn't defend very well. As after the game, you can't let teams get in the rhythm uh, shooting three-pointers, and that was what Minnesota did in Bensum in the first half because it was a, it was a good, but Purdue shut off the faucet in the second half and, and got the job done. And again, some things as you know, there are, are bringing some challenges still there. Purdue's got to work on its free throw shooting, especially at home. It's an interesting thing there. They're only shooting 63% from at home in the last four games, but they're still shooting well on the road. So uh, you got to, you got to improve that. Uh, there's always work to be done. And, as Brian Newbert said from our staff, you know, it's finally gives you some things to really be not critical, but some some discussing point discussion points on on where Purdue basketball is right now. And Alan, how valuable is it for this uh, team, NCAA way wise, to face a game where they were down by double digits and uh, and down at the half? And you know, quite frankly, they just haven't faced that this year very much. And uh, and for them to have to battle back and uh, and get the win, how valuable will that pay off in the future? Well, you hope it does, and and Northwestern certainly at home too, a game too that you had to, had to bail yourself out even more than you did on Thursday night against Minnesota. But yeah, I, I think this team is mature. I think that they they've learned from uh, they. You hope if you're a Purdue fan that they've learned from uh, some of the things that went on. Uh, but again, it was mostly defensively defensive issues. Um, and, and again, you're playing somebody, as coaches always say, and Minnesota took it to Purdue. You have to give them a lot of credit. They look like an NCAA basketball team, at least from my perspective, whether they can get there with uh, their 15, it's 15 and nine record right now. They're going to have to do some, do some, uh, serious damage probably in the Big Ten tournament and, and play well down the stretch. But, you know, that's the other thing, too. This is, these, I understand that Minnesota was on the road, but Minnesota, had everything to gain in this game. I mean, this this is their ticket, uh, and every team that Purdue plays kind of down the stretch, it's their ticket to to uh, respectability. Even Ohio State on Sunday, which is not going to go to the NCAA tournament, barring a miraculous run of the Big Ten tournament, uh, still can really right a lot of wrongs by by and in a coaching situation where the Buckeyes are in uh, by beating Purdue. 
We are talking with Alan Karpik here on the uh, Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Al, it wasn't lost on me, you know, playing Minnesota, which, um, you know, up there, hey, they play basketball? Absolutely. They love to play hockey. Um, and it was such a hockey move to bring in a guy who plays uh, a minute and a half a game who is just basically supposed to be a big physical, you know, dude just to go out there and try to rough up Zach Eady a little bit. I mean, really dipping into their hockey heritage to do that. Um, and, and uh, you know, we're starting to see more of this, right? Uh, Northwestern did the same thing, right? We got guys that got five fouls, big bodies that don't normally play. Just go out there and throw them at them there and try to wear Zach Eady back down. Uh, it seems to be a troubling new trend. It's just get somebody out there that's big, and even though he's going to get cooked, as long as he physically takes it to Zach Eady, that's good for the team. Well, I think with Minnesota, too, you, know, you had, going back to Northwestern, had 15 fouls to give and relatively homogenous players in that position. Um, you know, I, I do think that for, for, for it, it's a strategy it's, if you're opposing Purdue. And to some extent, uh, it, it's working. You know, Edie's 8 for 18 last night, uh, has had some challenges, not shooting as high a percentage as we've seen of late, uh, at least uh, over some of the games in the, in the recent time. But I think you're going to see more of that for teams that can bring out big bodies and do that. And, of course, Minnesota kind of went to the well this uh, on the football and P.J. Flex staff to get that done. But uh, this is a – I think it is a legitimate strategy. Uh, but, you know, Minnesota also obviously had had the guys that uh, at, at the end of the day, the second half, Zach Eady kind of took some things over, got pretty – in the right position to, to get the job done. And uh, there's still is kind of, it's, he's still a pretty hard guy to stop, even though he was eight of 18 from the field and had four turnovers. Uh, he still had a performance that uh, was extremely important in Purdue's comeback in the second half. Well, on top of that too, Alan, I, I don't know if you're worried about it yet, but he used to shoot free throws at a pretty high clip. And we thought, okay, maybe it's just a little bit of a lull, but these last four or five games, man, the, the free throw stroke is not coming down for Zach. Uh, is it officially time to be worried about that and this new strategy? Well, I think I think that the teams are going to, you know, as, as Matt Painter says that, that which is correct. They're not trying to miss him. Uh, he is he is uh, seeing that percentage dip uh, from seventy five percent, which which is where it was, uh, uh, or, you know, not, not too long ago. It's going to be important because, in the, to say that, state in the obvious, uh, when you get in the NCAA tournament, uh, that's what makes you nervous. Uh, but Purdue's free throw shooting really kind of, uh, not solely, but kind of comes down to two guys. Uh, I mean, Fletcher Lawyer missed two yesterday, which has been pretty much uncharacteristic of him. But uh, Trey Kaufman Wren, certainly, and uh, the ability for uh, Zach E to make free throws is going to be important because those guys are going to get fouled, and certainly teams are going to take notice of that down the stretch in games if Zach is, struggles from the line. But I'm going to guess that he's going to get that figured out. The law of average will swing back in a way that it will get him back at that uh, get that level. The other thing you have to think about too is that Purdue's still shooting a ton of free throws. Yes, it's missing some, but it's getting a lot of points at the line. Um, Yes, I'm concerned about it because you always worry about the NCAA tournament and, and, and crunch time and having to make something. But Purdue's got uh, some very good free throw shooters. I would say Lawyer Smith, Mason Gillis on down the line, and they just got to make sure that they protect themselves maybe of a Trey Kaufman-Wren. So his form looks fine, just not making them. 
uh, and certainly Zach Eady, I think, has shown he can do it. He is tough mentally. Uh, I expect him to uh, to make a re- literally make a rebound in that and, and that those percentages to swing back to where uh, they need to be. Now, and that's such a great point you bring up about the number of free throws they shoot because just remember, if you shoot fifty and hit fifty percent, that's still twenty five points. And uh, you know they're uh, you know we hate to see that low percentage, but they are putting the points up. And it just seems like yesterday that what Zach was what fifteen for fifteen in in Toronto when they played uh, Alabama. So we know he can go on a, a run where he hits you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen free throws in a row and. And I, I really like the point that you brought up. I, they, they just seem to be a little bit more focused on the road when they their percentage is so much higher on the road as opposed to feeling really comfortable in, in Mackey Arena and, and that percentage drops significantly. Well, somebody had made the comment, I think, on our message boards. Of course, there's tons of wisdom there, as we all know. Um, <laughs> that um, No, but I think it's, you know, it's quiet in, in Mackey Arena. Uh, it's not quiet on the road. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, it, It'll be interesting to see. Uh, certainly, uh, Zach Eady is certainly not a guy that's gonna that's gonna be flustered by by much of anything. Uh, I mean, if you think about that, his his uh, ascension to uh, from basically a, a guy that wasn't uh, that barely could barely could play at this level, if people thought that to two time National Player of the Year. I don't think I think he will adjust to it and, and make them. Uh, and maybe the good thing is Purdue's only got uh, three home games left. I don't know, but uh, they, they're going to be playing a lot of games in neutral courts with uh, with uh, some level of noise out there. But it is a concern because, again, it, it, you know we know that uh, the NCAA tournament games will be will be close. Uh, certainly, uh, as the tournament progresses, if you're Purdue, but but I also like the guys. And certainly with Zach Eady, his. That guy is so focused on even when he goes and stands at the line and looks at the at the front of the rim for about a, it seems like ten minutes before he shoots it. To, uh, he'll get it back. I mean, in my opinion. And Alan, if you're worried about how quiet it is when you shoot free throws, you're not suggesting that they maybe flip the chicken promo to. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, still unbelievable that uh, that's happened in the last two games. Well, it was the third time this year, and and uh, that. Uh, it's all a part of the fun in Mackey Arena, and, and what a great environment it was Dude. in the second half because there was uh, some anxiety among among anybody if you're a Purdue fan in this game. Uh, uh, and uh, the, I thought the crowd did, a, which is pretty much always the case. The crowd got to help Purdue get back in the back in this basketball game, uh, and so did Mason Gillis, and so did the, so did the play of Braden Smith in the second half, uh, to, and, and Purdue's ability to limit turnovers, those kinds of things that really helped. Does uh, Slim Chick, do they offer fish? We just kicked off Len on Wednesday here. You <laughs> yeah, I don't, know. Pork, I don't know. Pork I can't even go and get your free chicken now on this <laughs> <is> a Friday. <laughs> Killing right. us here. Alec Karpik, again, goldenblack.com is the website. It is a great resource for all things Purdue. Uh, Tom Deanhart going to be all over this. Uh, we get Pro Day coming up here. Combine's on the way. Uh, the spring game's right around the corner here. He's got football covered for you. Of course, Brian's doing a great job with basketball. Uh, all kinds of great guests on the uh, on the Zoom calls and everything, too. So uh, make sure you check it out, all that content that goldblack.com puts out. Al, it's always a pleasure talking a little hoops with you on a Friday, my friend. Uh, Boiler up, and uh, we'll talk with you again next week. All right, sounds good, guys. Have a great 
Welcome back. We're doing the Boiler Basketball Show right here on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. Back over to the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. We go the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation. Nate Barrett is on with us here. Nate, happy Friday to you. Coming up, the victory against Minnesota last night. Day Shieldhouse uh, bobblehead night. And uh, if you stayed at home, you did not get to see the uh, the, the speech that he did apparently at halftime. Uh, you did, though, and you said uh, it was something. Kind of give me the, uh, the the gist of how uh, how that went. Well, he, he expressed comments positively about our team uh, this year and the way the Boilermakers play, and he liked how hard they played. But he, he talked a lot about his background in Evansville and that he was among a, a number of really good Boilermakers to come out of Evansville, of course, including Bob Greasy in that era and Bob Ford and Larry Weatherford. So that was really cool, just touching on his uh, Evansville heritage. And then – uh, he also just uh, encouraged the students uh, and uh, everybody involved with Purdue to just stay connected with Purdue and that, that staying involved with the university even after their time here as a student, that, that, that'll pay dividends as they go through life. And I think everybody associated with Purdue in any way would, would totally agree with that, that there's just something to staying involved uh, with a college uh, you know, uh, for life and the, just the doors and the friendships that that opens for you. So his comments were brief but very good. And Nate, I tell you what, this this team, ten players um, deep, they can go. How has Matt Painter been able to get this team to buy into the roles? And you saw it on full display last night. I mean, Ethan Morton was fantastic coming off the bench and and shutting down Christie. And then Caleb first had some big minutes. And of course, you know, Mason Gillis comes off the bench, drains fourteen points. I mean, this whole team knows their role. They know they may play four, five, ten, fifteen minutes. But yet they're happy with it, and you know they all want more minutes. But I mean, this team—he's been able to, to to put this team. The chemistry on this team is absolutely amazing to me. It's it's really special. Um, uh, I was able to attend a, a little chat with uh, Gillis and Morton the other night, and, and just on that subject that uh, they, they talked about, uh, just how much goes into preparation for this team, and how well they like each other, and and how they enjoy each other off the court, and, and that not every team's that way. Some teams don't want to be together after practice, but the, this team does. And uh, I agree totally, Jeff, that when you look back on that game, I think one comment that a lot of people are making walking out of the arena is a year or two ago, you probably lose that game last night. And uh, the way Minnesota did some things was shooting very well there for a moment. You know, you go down eight at the half. But uh, it was unsung heroes or or some different heroes last night uh, it was when matt makes the switch and and they put uh, they put morton uh you know in and, and he really is able to do a great job defensively and then first gives you uh, more minutes than usual and does a nice job for you uh and so then gillis with some huge threes and then matt talked in the post game last night i don't know if you guys caught it, just about how pleased he was at, at pj thompson of course who runs the offense uh, moving Mason around late in the game, finding spots for him to be open on the floor uh, and get some good looks, and then he knocked them down. So, uh, you know, Purdue uh, still uh, plenty of things to practice on, both free throws and turnovers, and there's plenty of things to clean up. But I, I think the way they fought their way back in, and then Braden Smith, man, he just continues his development. Um, I was sitting by a, a high school point guard last night for the game. We were just talking about, you know, the Braden, the way he – sets things up the way he sees so far ahead of everybody else how the play is going to develop 
uh, he's an elite elite point guard and and to have him playing with guys like Zach and, and to see the openings that he does uh, it, it just amazing and so his his continued development so I look at him Morton and first along with Gillis is really key contributors to getting Purdue back in that game getting the crowd back into it because I think the crowd went into the half ahead of Dave Shellhouse's speech just shell shocked at what had happened you lead by eight and you end up going in down by eight like a 21-5 run there at the end of the first half, uh, but a good wake-up call for Purdue. Yeah, you have to thank Ben Johnson for that, too, because it was starting to feel like Rick Mount bobblehead night one more time. And, oh, and, too soon. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, too yeah, soon still as too always. Soon. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and we need to thank Ben Johnson, too, who, uh, as Matt alluded to in postgame, you know, Ben's building that program back, and, and he's going to have a nice team there, but I think he really helped the Boilermakers with his timely technical yeah. effect. Uh, I'm with that. We're talking with Nate Barrett here on the Blue Foxy and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. I want to go back to what you were talking about in in Braden Smith and everything, because uh, I know I was reading Twitter last night. Dylan Sin, who writes uh, for the Journal Gazette in Fort Wayne, we've had him on the show. Very nice guy. Some people love him. Some people, I you know, that's cool, whatever. And he covers IU, so you, you do that. Anyway, um, <laughs> he, he had a nice long thread about a, a chart that uh, somebody in the Purdue sphere had put up about uh, the talents and uh, the Big Ten uh, rankings by uh, 24-7's rating average each team starting five and Purdue being so low. And what Dylan pointed out was that uh, Purdue's strength in recent years isn't as much Matt Painter's talent development. It's his evaluation of the talent to where, you know, he's, he's beating these uh, industry rankings left and right because he's learned how to evaluate better than these other. You can have all the physical gifts, and yeah, you can shoot these shots against uh, poor, you know, defense and stuff like that. You look great in the AAU circle, but Matt has done a great job of evaluating what his team needs, what works well in his system, and bringing those guys in, despite whether or not they're four or five star guys. Uh, he's just done such a good job to where you can almost argue that a guy like Braden Smith isn't so much a developmental success as he is. He was just misevaluated by everybody else except for Matt Painter, right? Yeah, there's a lot of truth. And I think here's the other cool thing, guys, is that in this era of NIL and Portal and all that, I think there's a type of Purdue player that Matt's looking for that makes it less likely out of the gate that that when you get that player here that they're going to be a player looking for greener pastures or looking for the exit that they see past basketball the other thing you're seeing very clearly is that matt's developing you after a player if you want to be a coach he's giving think of the fact that he's giving pj thompson not that old of a guy and sasha stefanovich opportunities to be deeply involved in running aspects of Purdue's whole attack. There's timeouts that are being run by PJ. There's timeouts being run by Sasha, not Matt Painter. And the, the, the humility of Matt to trust those guys and put the program in their hands mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, is very unusual. And it, apparently it's going to be very effective. But, but wouldn't you as a player that knows, you know, hey, I can be a good college player, but maybe I'm not an NBA player, but if I stay with this guy, I'm probably going to get a chance to coach with him or get plugged into an opportunity after after my playing career is done. It speaks to the kind of people he can recruit. And then he's worked just from analytics the last 10 years, and then now with what Purdue's doing with this, you know, Chad Brown and his team, uh, to kind of, you know, do the personality test, evaluate a guy on the way in. And, and I, say, I think he's honed in on what's a fit for Purdue 
and not looking just at four and five stars behind a guy's name. But let's really evaluate you know, who he is and what he wants out of life, and is that a fit for what we want at Purdue. So the combination of how Matt's organized his staff and then how he's organized his recruiting, I think, has gone a long way to putting him in this position. You can never emphasize enough that Edie was, what, 450, 460 in terms of the rankings when he's down there at IMG and Matt sees something in him and he sees something in Braden Smith. And I think part of that, guys, is because Matt went for the – when he first got in there, he went for some of these recruits. He ended up losing some of them to North Carolina, to IU. I think he learned a lesson like, you know what, I've just got to go my own way and find diamonds in the rough, and he's done that. Well, you know, and, and look at look at Lance Jones. I mean, he came in and, and basically did not ask for any NIL money, and, and uh, you know, he's a top 25 transfer in, in all college basketball. But, you know, Matt Painter just absolutely loves the game of basketball. You know, he is like – you know the the uh, the Tony Stewart's of, of NASCAR that 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 on weekends likes to go to a dirt track and just run dirt track cars. You know because they love the sport of racing, and that's what he is. You know we see him at a, at a you see him at a Faith Christian basketball game the other night, just watching his son, who's a member of their staff, and just he sees so much basketball that he is. And when you put as much effort and as much skill that he has as a coach, and as talented as he is, and you just love what you're doing. I mean, that's why he's so good at evaluating talent because he loves the game of basketball, and it certainly shows. And he's not in it for the money. He's not in it for whatever. He's in it to to develop players and make everybody a better human being and a better player. And and so far, he's he's knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Well, and he remembers that a lot of people put him in that position. He's very well aware you know, from uh, good parents to good coaches to Gene Cady. And, you know, Matt's always been open about as a freshman, you know, calling his dad and being like, I don't know if I can do this. I, you got you know, to get me <laughs> a different thought here. And, and his dad telling him to stick it in with Coach Cady and, and things would work out. And they did. Um, but just, you know, Matt's very public about the adjustment that freshmen have to, you know, come into college and to be a part of a program, especially if they were a star in high school and adjust to that. So, yeah, no, we, we need to enjoy it. As I've said to you guys on the show before, uh, these are the good old days, and we need to enjoy it as such because what you have uh, in Matt and his staff is something very special. And, you know, guys like Paul Lusk with his second tour with Matt, uh, you know, Paul's been there, done that. He's been a head coach. Uh, you know, he's seen the other side of it. Now he's, you know, he was at Creighton. Now he's back with Matt. So you have experience there in Brandon and, you know, Terry Johnson and Paul and then you have, you know, Elliot Bloom that's been with him a long time. And then these new guys, you know, the Sashas of the world and the PJs that are developing into great young coaches. Uh, it's exciting. And, you know, of course, Grady Eifert's gone on and is on Micah Shrewsbury's staff at Notre Dame. So that, that painter coaching tree keeps growing. And it's going to become increasingly rare to not only have situations like that, but to find head coaches like that, uh, Nate. And you already see so many in the NIL era that just say, you know, with the transfer rules and, and all that, UConn's coach was lamenting about this a couple of weeks ago. Like, how you know how are we benefiting kids? This is what it's going to be. You know, I don't know that I want to be a part of it that much longer anymore. If it's going to be about the money and it's just going to be about, you know, the grass is always greener than, you know, we're doing kids a disservice. And then what's the point being here? Because that's the, you know, that's what they love to do. They love to develop these young men and uh, get them set up for the next stage in life and, you know, if uh, if this is the atmosphere, it, it it's not conducive for coaches like that anymore. Well, uh, what I think you'll see, I'm hopeful, 
is uh, a shakeout of some of that over the next few years. And I, I think you may see programs like Purdue, like Northwestern, and some of the others move in one direction, uh, you know, and then there'll be some other programs that struggle because they're still trying to think and do things the old way. And uh, so, you know, with the new realities, I think, and I think, guys, you may see it in football as well, too, that, you know, uh, the the model of how you need to build a, a Purdue football team for the future uh, may look a lot different than the traditional way you've built it in the past. And, and so uh, with basketball, the same deal. But I think at the core for our fan base uh, is, you know, unlike some others, we are not the kind of fan base that wants to hang banners just to have to take them down someday. Uh, we'd rather not have the banner and do it the right way than have a banner like that happened to a school <laughs> uh, across the Ohio River that had to take it down. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think the, the parting of the Red Sea there, if you will, on programs uh, that are going to do it one way and, and say, I want kids that really want to be at Purdue University because they want to be a Purdue person for life. And if you're not that way, if you're always going to have one eye looking at what's next, you're probably not for Purdue. And that's got to be okay. And so I think that making that line is going to help uh, Purdue separate itself from some of these other uh, programs out there where everybody's just thinking the same way. And there may be some growing pains in that, uh, but at the same point, I think the Purdue people are committed to always putting a product out there that says, you know what, we're mainly interested in, in players that want to be part of the Purdue family for life. Nate Baird, the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation, joining us here on the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Nate, always a pleasure talking hoops with you on a Friday. Boiler up, and uh, we'll see you next week. Welcome back. You're listening to the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Thanks, Alan. Thanks to Nate there. Uh, I'm Jared Jessalitis. That is Jeff Julik over there. We are going to uh, wrap up this hour in the show uh, talking uh, about what lies ahead in the Big Ten this week. We'll look at the games. We're going to look at the standings first, Jeff, where Purdue still sits on top of the Big Ten. Uh, they are absolutely rolling as of right now, 12-2 and in the conference, 23-2 and overall. They own a two-and-a-half game lead over the Illini, who go out to Maryland tomorrow. Uh, they sit at nine and four. Wisconsin at nine and five. Uh, three games back for them. Northwestern with that last double bye in the Big Ten tournament as of right now at eight and six, but they are tied with Michigan State, who is also at eight and six. Then we start to get to the midway part here. Nebraska at seven and seven, and then everybody else sub five hundred. Minnesota, Rutgers, Indiana, all at six and seven. That's five and a half back and one and a half back from a, buy, a double buy. Maryland, Iowa, Penn State, both six games back at 6-8. and eight. Ohio State, tragically, at 4-10. and ten. And then Michigan at 3-11, and 11, just 8-17 and 17 overall, Jeff Julig. Ugh. Rough year for the Wolverines. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's not been, yeah, it, it is what it is. We'll see what happens there. But that is uh, the Big Ten standings. As of right now, let's go ahead and take a look at what the schedule is going to shake out. And there is no Big Ten basketball tonight. You got to be kidding me. Come on, man. Friday night wrestling in the Big Ten. That's cool. Shout out to Purdue Wrestling Senior Night tonight against Illinois. And you know how that fan base loves us. Absolutely. They love us. Absolutely. (laughs) 
Uh, let's get to Saturday, though. Wake up noon. Penn State is at Nebraska on BTN, followed by the Illini making a trip to Iowa. Neither one of those games real slam dunks for the teams that you think would be the uh, the favorite. Like, Nebraska's going to be the favorite. Wisconsin's going to be the favorite. But yet, uh, not give me games at all. No, not at all. You know, Nebraska plays so well at home. And, you know, Iowa, different team at home. And uh, Wisconsin found their footing uh, against the Buckeyes. But uh, now they got to go on the road and win a road game. Yeah, and they haven't been too tremendous in that aspect. The 14th-ranked Illini go to Maryland at 5.30 on Fox, followed by Michigan State at Michigan. And, um, look, I don't want to put Michigan State on upset watch, but this is a big rivalry game. Michigan's got it at home. Fans turn out for something like this, and National it kind of elevates you a yeah. little bit. And, yeah, Doug gets to play for him because it's at home. Yep. So we'll see what happens there. That is your Saturday lineup. That gets us a Sunday where Purdue gets the 1 o'clock tip-off on CBS followed by Northwestern at Indiana at 3 o'clock. Rutgers at Minnesota on BTN at 6.30. And again, Purdue with a big one against Ohio State would go really, really far with that win. Northwestern uh, trying to cling to that four seed has to go into Indiana. And, you know, Assembly Hall on the weekends, not exactly a cakewalk. And then Rutgers up to Minnesota. We just got to look at Minnesota. Rutgers playing with a little more vigor now that uh, Williams is in. We'll be talking about that, right? He, they've been hot since he's come back. Um, and, uh, you know, Minnesota looking for some more wins to try to make it into the NCAA, but more likely the NIT. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm looking at Northwestern Indiana game because it's a huge game for Indiana. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they want to salvage their season. And, you know, they, they, they had a nice first 10 minutes against the Boilermakers on Saturday night. But, uh, you know, Northwestern needs this game, and then I'm that Rutgers Minnesota game should be a dandy because, as we say, Rutgers playing fantastic, and we saw how good Minnesota is last night. So, a couple good games there late afternoon. No Monday games, which gets us out to Tuesday. Iowa's at Michigan State at seven. This is not on TV, or at least they don't have anything listed They're for on TV. Peacock. They Both are on Peacock. All yeah. right, uh, and then it's followed by the nine o'clock Peacock game. Wisconsin should host Maryland, and uh, you would think that's a clean up there for Wisconsin. And then you would think Michigan stay at home because Iowa isn't exactly the best on the road either. Uh, you would think that's the way that shakes out. It gets us to Wednesday, where the line I had to go into Bryce Jordan Center, always dangerous middle part of the week, followed by Nebraska at Indiana, which will be an interesting matchup. Yeah, you know, Nebraska uh, ran Indiana out, and, and they they shoot the ball really well from three at times. And, and if, if uh, you know, if they, if they can hit the three against Indiana, that's uh, certainly an issue that the Hoosiers have had this season. Thursday, dangerous Rutgers team comes into Purdue, 7 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Ohio State at Minnesota at 8 p.m. And then Michigan will head up to Northwestern. And, uh, yeah, that could be a – that. That could get ugly. That it, could get ugly, even could. without Tiberi. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, that should wrap up the week. That gets us to Friday, where next week, no Friday again. No Friday, no Monday, Jeff. At least we're consistent on that. Yeah, you know, that that's absolutely true, and, and that's how that's played out. But, you know, a fun week for the Boilermakers. You know, you head to Columbus, and then you come back home and play uh, Rutgers team, which the Boilermakers did not play great against them the first time, so it's nice to get them back in Mackey. Yeah, uh, Purdue looking good here as they hold on to that two-and-a-half game lead. In the Big Ten, and that could grow to three by the time we tip off at Value City Arena on Sunday. We'll see what happens there with the Illini out at Maryland. But, boy, 
Uh, you'd have to got to get a flood warning out there if that happens <laughs> yeah. in Illinois because it's going to get dangerous out there. That does it for the Boiler Basketball Show. Big thank you to our friends Alan Karpik and Nate Barrett for being on. We'll be back again next Friday, and uh, we'll do it all again here on the Boiler Basketball Show on 101.7.